All right, guys. Hey, welcome back to this week's uh, episode, this week's coaching podcast. And uh, yeah, it's Friday. Sorry, it's a little bit late uh, traveling yesterday. Uh, just just didn't get to it on Thursday. And um, so again, just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to uh, go and travel with my mom. It was a great 10 days. It's even better to be back. Getting away, though, uh, was really, really good. Needed needed that time. Uh, so spent some good time with the Lord, good time with family, good time with my mom. Feel very refreshed. And so thankful, thankful to all of you uh, for encouraging me to do that and to uh, send me out. It's, uh, yeah, it's very, very encouraging. And I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for you guys. Uh, because again, so many of my friends who are pastors don't have leaders like you uh, who are primarily concerned about their well-being. And you guys are, and you prove it, and you back it up all the time. So thank you, and oh, man, just, yeah, super grateful for all of you. Um, all right, uh, let's see, announcement stuff. I think that we're going to pull the plug on uh, Doubt on Tap this Tuesday night due to the election. And I think that's that's all there is, really. Uh, so thanks to, uh, you know, thanks to, thanks to Dave uh, and Todd for their continued leadership. Uh, you know, uh, for their, you know, Dave every week leading conversations, leading discussions, and community up in, up in uh, Fowlerville uh, with Laura, uh, man, the two of you are, are killing it up there. Todd, thanks for stepping in and, and teaching this week. Uh, we need to we need to keep making making some of these opportunities happen for everybody else. So beware, uh, some more opportunities may be coming your way. <laughs> uh, yeah, we need to. This 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 Corona thing is driving me crazy, folks, and um, I I desperately miss our. Sunday dinners, I miss uh, the opera, really kind of the, the travel in between the two missional communities. So many things that I, that I miss and am looking forward to hopefully returning to soon. Uh, I am, since I've been out and about, just so you guys know, I guess this is the other thing, just so you guys know, uh, since I've been out and about, I'm going to try to try to limit some of my um, going around, I don't know. Uh, anyway, just trying to be pretty aware of of things since uh, since I was traveling. But anyway, all right, I've rambled long enough. Let's get to this week's passage, uh, which is James two fourteen through twenty five, and it goes like this: What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? 
Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is God's word. All right, fallen condition focus. Believing is not faith. Right? Uh, we believe that we believe that believing is faith, and and I need to tweak that a little bit in the document. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the deal: uh, belief, belief is is words. Belief, kind of in and of itself, is is meaningless. Uh, faith, faith requires action. Faith requires trust. Faith, uh, faith is a combination of belief and action. Um, and so the Christ's redemptive purpose is that faith brings about action. If you have real faith, your life will change, the way you live will change, the way you act will change. Uh, if you don't have real faith, then James argues here that you are no different than the demons, uh, which you know is, is somewhat hy- hyperbolic, but he's, he's James. He's having some fun with it, right? Faith and deeds are evidence of grace. That would kind of be the the message big idea. Faith and deeds are evidence of grace. If we want to know if we are experiencing grace in our lives, if we are really following the way of Jesus, uh, then then what we see is faith and deeds. Uh, A trust trust that, um, that we have been reconciled by God through faith because of Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross. And as a result of that, our lives now look different. Our lives now look transcendent. Our lives are now uh, showing the world what it means to love your neighbor, love your enemy. This, this is the Jesus way. This is what we are talking about when we start, uh, when we start talking about, um, you know, what real biblical faith looks like. It results in changed lifestyle. It results in changed actions. And if we are not seeing that, then we have to really ask ourselves, are we really following in the way of Jesus? And so verse 14 opens with the questions, right? Uh, What good is it? What good is it? If you claim to have faith but have no deeds, can such faith save you? I mean, is it real? Basically, James is kind of laying out here, what is the litmus test? What is the, what is the way? How do, we know, how do we know if what we say we believe is real? That it's, that it's something that is actually a part of us. So in 15 through 17, James provides an illustration, uh, and, it, and it shows his concern for class issues right? Uh, The churches he's facing must have really been struggling with this rich versus poor thing. Uh, So class issues there were were pretty significant. And uh, and so he raises this question about meeting real physical needs as opposed to offering platitudes. You know, 
is that you can believe that your words are, are helpful and maybe what you think people really need. But if we are willing, willfully ignoring the physical needs right in front of us, then we're not really caring for people. So he argues from this illustration that a faith without the accompanying life change is not a living faith. It's simply a dead faith. There was a, an Onion article years and years and years ago um, about Christian missionaries who were in Central Africa. You know, they're, they're in this poor area and they are throwing out Bibles to starving people. And they said, you know, these people think they need, you know, bread and water. What they really need is the bread of life and the everlasting water that is found in the Word of God. And, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a funny take, but in so many ways, this is, this is how the Christian church has, has responded uh, in, in modern, the, the modern American Christian church, I should say, has responded to very real issues. We, we give them platitudes. We say what you need is the Bible. Uh, and that's not what they needed. They needed bread and water, real bread, real water. Uh, the, and so we really, you know, the, this, this illustration hits home. Uh, verses 18 through 19 James now engages uh, in a conversation with an imaginary conversation partner. Uh, it's a common style of rhetoric in the first century. Paul does it all the time, especially in Romans. He has his interlocutor. Uh, now, some folks think James is engaging Paul here. Uh, perhaps he is, but we, we don't know for sure. right? He, he may be answering or responding to some of the, the theological issues raised by Paul's radical version of grace. Uh, because Paul was accused of, of being antinomian. He was and what that means is he was accused of being someone who wanted to set aside God's law, God's moral restrictions, that if you simply say you believe, you can do whatever you want and live however you want. And, uh, and I think as we, if we rightly understand Paul, we, we rightly understand that that's not what he's saying, right? I mean, as we went through Romans uh, last year, the second half of it in particular, you see you see the, the moral obligations, uh, the very real life change that Paul expects from people. And so you, there is this, there is a, a synthesis between faith and works that Paul argues from, and he expounds that very well in Romans. Uh, but early on in Paul's ministry, a lot of people didn't think he held to that position at all, uh, that, that he held to a, uh, an anti-law, anti-you know, life change kind of position that, oh no, just a, a moral uh, or an intellectual assent was all that was required. Um, so perhaps James was was engaging with him. Now verse 18 is weird uh, because it feels like the pronouns are wrong, right? Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a weird, it's, it's just a weird construction um, because you would think it should, James would say, I have, you know, that the interlocutor would say, I have faith, you have deeds talking to James. Um, so it's just a, so it's, it's, it's odd. Um, because the someone, the someone there you would think would be his interlocutor and it just, it just feels awkward and weird. Uh, but perhaps the best way to understand it is, James saying one person has faith, another has deeds. 
Uh, and we come to this, uh, the translations, uh, the English translations are kind of across the board on this little construction here. And it's just a, it's just a hard Greek. It's just hard in Greek, right? We, we don't, this is one of those places where, where Greek to English just kind of fails us. Uh, so the idea here is one person has faith, another has deeds. And, but James, if you notice, James wants to push beyond the dichotomy. Uh, his argument is not one or the other. It is a both and. The dualistic thinking of either or is problematic. And so James argues that faith and deeds are hand in hand. They are symbiotic. They are a symbiotic relationship. And so he closes this bit out by comparing easy beliefism and the kind of belief in God that demons have. So demons are not saved. They have no faith. But they do have belief. What's the difference? The demons aren't changed by their belief. So too, the person who has belief but no life change behind that belief has no true faith. Um, and I also think it's pretty hilarious uh, at the end of verse 19, right, where uh, he says, you believe that there is one God. <laughs> good! <laughs> it's like, it's like good for you, little guy. He kind of has this, uh, uh, I mean, he, he's just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's pretty great. Um, so don't miss, don't miss on some of the humor here. It is okay to, to see the funny in some of these things, to see uh, the arrogance maybe of the writer of scripture. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to see some of that funniness. Uh, so, but this, uh, this easy beliefism, this is why great theologians have always wrestled with their place in God's grace. Because they knew their own sinfulness. They were aware of it, right? They, have, uh, they knew their overwhelming need for grace. Jonathan Edwards, who is by far from perfect, okay? The, the guy who owned slaves. Um, he was not a perfect person. He, was, he had some awful things about him, from, especially from our perspective now, right? Uh, but he... If you, you read through his diaries, this was a guy that struggled for assurance. And, and I, think, I think the struggle for assurance is the sign of real faith because it is in the struggle that we press for a greater holiness. We, we look at our faith and we wrestle, we struggle. We, we, we have a hard time trying to, to wrap our, our minds and our hearts around God actually giving us grace because we know how sick we are. And yet, God, in His overwhelming grace, accepts us and loves us, forgives us, restores us, reconciles us. And we desperately want assurance. And yet, when we go f to find it, what do we see? We see our sickness. We see our, we, we, we see our, our, our sinfulness on display in our own hearts and our own minds. And so we struggle and struggle. That struggle, that is evidence of the faith. That is evidence of a real, maturing, growing faith. In verses 20 through 25, James makes his argument from the scriptures. Uh, he argues that Abraham and Rahab's actions are displays of their faith. Faith and deeds are syncretist. They are, uh, they, they are part and parcel with one another, hand in glove. It's not one or the other. 
Deeds do not save you. Faith does. And so, and we get that, right, in verse 14, or all the way back, can such faith save them? He's, he's, he's not asking whether or not faith is, is the thing that saves. Faith does indeed save. He's asking what, you know, what is the content of that faith? What is the quality of that faith? What kind, a way of asking, what kind of faith saves us? The kind of faith that saves us is the kind of faith that is displayed in action. It is displayed in deed. So this actually ties nicely in with Jesus' challenge to the Pharisees and experts of the law in Luke 11, 37 through 54. James argues that the inside needs to be cleaned more so than the outside. For James, actions display the inner reality of the person. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? Well, I think the question becomes, does my life reflect the faith that I say that I have? Maybe other questions. What do lives that reflect a Jesus faith look like? Or what do lives that reflect a Jesus faith need to demonstrate? Or what actions seem to display a Jesus-like faith? And I know those are all similar questions. Um, because really that's what we're trying to get to the heart of, right? We're trying to get to, we're trying to understand the kind, the type, the quality of the faith. Um, and so we have to wrestle through them. Perhaps one of those questions will hit more than another for your crew. And, and so it's not that you're going to ask all of those, uh, but those are the questions to hold in your head. And as a, someone looks at you like a confused puppy, uh, you can go to one of these different questions and and ask that instead. Um, so, so that's that's kind of where we're at, guys. That's the uh, this this I think has uh, potential to be a fun, fun conversation, and hopefully it will be. And uh, you know, faith and action, faith and action. Uh, we need them both. They tie hand in hand. The quality, the type of our faith, is one that demands action. And uh, because, because if we say that we are following Jesus, if we say our faith is in Jesus, then our union with him demands us to live like him. And uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so until, until next time, guys, love well.